0: Hello, everyone. Thank y'all so much for joining me this week. It's hard to believe that this is the eighth episode. We've covered a lot of ground, and many of you have said you're learning things that you never knew about Allison's story. That has always been my goal. The more we know and understand about the days leading up to Allison's disappearance and the events that followed, the better the chances of finally having answers and closure. Perhaps even justice. So with only one more episode left after today's, I figured we would use this time to catch up and go over everything we've learned so far. I'm your host, Allison Witten, and you're listening to Mistaken for Missing, Episode 8, What We Know. From the very beginning when I first introduced you to Allison's story, I talked a lot about the timeline. I feel this is one of the key elements we have worked to establish. We all know just how imperative this is to Allison's case and any other case that's been known to exist. I mean, without one, where do you even start looking for answers? There were two main issues with the timeline. Number one, when Peggy Lynn Miller, Allison's best friend, was unable to locate her and no one in her multi-state network of family and friends had seen or heard from her, Peggy filed a missing persons report with the Bay County Sheriff's Office. This was on Tuesday, May 31st, 2016. This leads us to the second issue with the timeline. The date that is repeatedly used by the Bay County Sheriff's Office, as well as media outlets and websites like NamUs and The Charlie Project, was April the 8th of 2016. This date was given to Bay County by William Daly, or Billy, Allison's then boyfriend. Although he said that was the last time he saw her, We know now that Allison was very much alive and present in Panama City Beach until at least April 18th. We know this because she completed her last day at her then job at Liberty Tax. That was the end of tax season, and her bosses verified her attendance. Now, I understand that y'all may think I'm being ridiculous about the incorrect date being listed in an official capacity, but let me tell you why it is so bothersome. Most importantly, we all say, okay well, that was the last time she was seen. Then it's possible that if someone may have seen her or somebody that looked like her, let's say a month or so from then, they may say, well, no, that can't be right. No one saw her after April 8th. I also feel like it's sloppy. If you know the last time she was seen was the 18th, why the hell don't you make the effort to fix it? Doesn't she at least deserve that? Do you see what I'm saying? Combine the errors of the incorrect date and the 53-day lapse before anyone reported her missing, and right away, things aren't looking good. Next, we met the two men that are synonymous with this story. Herbert Davis Groover, or Davis, or Groover, as I like to call him, we met early on. Groover was the much older man who bears an uncanny resemblance to Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. He was infatuated with Allison in a serious way. He was also her drug dealer. This caused problems because Allison struggled with addiction. She was able to manipulate Groover to get what she needed when she needed, and he got to feel loved by Allison for the moment. One person who surely couldn't stand anything about Groover and Allison's situation is the other man in the story. William Newman Daly, also known as Billy, was Allison's live-in boyfriend when she disappeared. The couple met when they were both homeless and down on their luck. They formed a bond and clawed their way back to the top out of a really, really bad time for both of them. They even purchased a house together in 2014 in Laguna Beach. This is important because Allison was gay. In my interview with Jennifer Jenkins, Peggy Miller, and a few others who are remaining anonymous, they all expressed confusion and concern about this. Confusion because they knew what her sexual preferences were and... Also, because what the hell was Billy going to do when she realized she couldn't live a lie anymore? It certainly aggravated things that everyone lived just within blocks of each other. Allison would sneak around and get high with Davis Gruber when she needed to and was more a permanent fixture there while Billy was offshore at work. Billy hated this. She was basically creating a war between them, pitting one side against the other and causing all hell to break loose. It is possible that these men are the ones responsible for her demise. I saw early on, actually from the very beginning of my research, that there was no gray area when it came to who people think, quote unquote, killed Allison. Either Davis Groover is to blame or Billy Daly is. Trust me, the lines are clearly drawn. We do know that neither one of these men loved Allison enough to call the police to report her sudden absence. Billy and Allison were breaking up, and she was in the process of moving out. He claims the last time he saw her was April the 8th, 2016, at the restaurant where they had a fight. He said she continued to move out her things, but he never saw her again after that. That is where the April 8th date came from. Billy, of course, pointed to Groover as the culprit. Davis Groover was the last known person to have seen Allison. While she was moving out, she was staying mostly with him. After her final day at work on April 18th, she returned to Groover's. They made dinner, had a quiet night in at his place. But they weren't alone. His drug dealer came over. Even she swore that when she was over there the previous evening, she said Allison and her precious dog Winston, her guitar, laptop, and the truck she drove were all there that night. She left and never saw her again. Allison became angry with Groover the next morning, which was the 19th of April. She got upset about him not having any drugs left for her, and she stormed out taking everything with her. Roofer called his dealer to come back over, and that's when she realized that Allison wasn't there and that she had left. Davis knew that Allison was going to Billy's that morning. Several sources also say that she was going to finish getting her things and completely end it with Billy. You may remember that she had plans to go out of town as soon as tax season was over. She was never seen again. From here on out, Everything is purely speculation until the 31st, of course, when she's reported missing. Allison's truck turned up at a bar in the neighborhood that she would never go to. Everyone has verified and spoken to this. Until last week, I wasn't sure of the date when the truck was towed. Come to find out, on April the 24th, Allison's truck was towed. In the interview with Peggy, we talked about the questions surrounding that. Now, remember, When Billy went to pick up the truck from the tow company, the truck was supposedly completely cleaned out. And again, we circle back to, if your soon-to-be ex whom you loved enough to buy a house with, even if you're on the outs with, is a miss in a truck that you let her drive and they find it abandoned, why the hell wouldn't you call the police? I mean, in his statements, he says he called the jails and the hospitals looking for her. Um, hello, McFly. If you call the jails, they say no. You call the hospitals, she's not there. Why wouldn't you just call back to the police department and say, look, we have a problem? This wasn't lost on anyone, not even Bay County. When they first interviewed him, this would be the question that prompted him to ask for a lawyer. They asked, and he shut them down. Billy's mental health drove him damn near insane after this. He acted like a total crazy man. Rumors began to circulate, got so bad that it prompted Allison's big brother Reggie to come down from Alabama and take the law into his own hands. (laughs) And I can totally see why he did it. It's easy to understand the frustration he and everyone else who cared about Allison felt. Bay County, for the most part, kind of fades into the background. Reggie was arrested for digging up the backyard behind Billy and Allison's house on September 19th, 2016. Actually, he and Davis Groover were since, quote, Groover paid for it and I run the operation, end quote. And again, no one could blame him. Let's face it, when the talk of the neighborhood turns to the fact that Billy killed Allison and buried her in the backyard, well, trust me, it's a miracle Reggie didn't do worse. All of this, was fueled by the confession, or what I said is probably the most insane part of all of this. Until I heard it, the confession was just like an urban legend. I certainly wasn't prepared for it. In its 30 or so mind-bending and sickening minutes are the words of a not-so-concerned former partner of Allison describing what happened to her the night she died and where she may or may not be buried. Shocking? Absolutely but not as shocking as the fact that because none of it can be used against him in a court of law, nobody's in jail, meaning basically might as well not exist. The last and final thing that we talked about as a possibility of what happened to Allison was her former employer, The Summit. The Summit Condominiums is where Allison worked as a bookkeeper, but she had a problem with one of her coworkers, who we referred to as Laura. Apparently, Allison was accused... Of fraudulating time cards, meaning she had either shorted or over time in order for people to get paid, which she swears was just an honest mistake. She even wrote emails to the HOA Board of Grievance, the HOA Board of Directors. She did this to cover her own butt, and I see why. There was an incident where Laura shoved her paycheck in Allison's face, and Allison felt so threatened physically that she reached out to security and another board member hoping to have it documented properly. She asked several times for an incident report, which she wasn't given. Allison knew that she had to report this incident to the higher up, the head of the whole shebang, who we refer to as Don. The afternoon that all of this happened, after Allison reported it to Don, he told her that there's no way Laura would be fired. And if so, Allison had another thing coming. Again, Allison wrote emails to everyone and all parties involved, just to make sure she had dotted all of her I's and crossed all of her T's. The next morning, when she returned to work at the summit, she was terminated. She again wrote emails thanking everyone for their patience, explaining the situation, and letting them know that she would be seeking legal counsel. Allison was so afraid of the threats of physical violence from Laura and Don on March the 23rd, 2016, Allison went to the courthouse in Bay County and attempted to take out an order of protection, which basically is a restraining order. On April the 5th, 2016, Allison's court date didn't go so well. She was denied her injunction for protection. None of this is widely publicized when you're reading about Allison's case. I found this first and foremost one of the craziest parts of the story. Hopefully, you can take all of this with you to our final episode. Believe me, there isn't enough podcast time to tell you all the ins and outs and many things that fell by the wayside when it came to the investigation and her disappearance. This entire process of investigating in order to tell a story has been a super emotional journey, and I've only been at it since June. Imagine what Allison's family, friends have gone through for almost six years until someone has the decency to speak up or admit to their wrongdoings their unfathomable grief will carry on. And the light that once shined so bright in even the darkest parts of life that was Allison Whitten will remain dim, overshadowed by the questions of her untimely and tragic disappearance, which has left everyone's life a little darker. Thank you so much for joining me this week and for your continued support of Allison and her story. There's only one more episode left so make sure to like, subscribe, tell a friend, and don't forget the five-star review. Mistaken for Missing is available every Wednesday wherever you get your podcast. Visit us at mistakenformissing.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Kelly Allison Whitten, please contact the Bay County Sheriff's Office at 850-747-4700. Until next time, stay safe. I'm your host, Allison Whitten, and this is Mistaken for Missing.